for listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church, Nassau, Bahamas with Dr. J. Sims. We hope that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, I want to read some selected verses. Beginning at verse 1, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art thou, thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest to it the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary Therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword and judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. And verse 13 says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Someone say amen. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. You shall find them in the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. I don't know who the word is for, 
but I believe that this is a word for somebody here. And it is this. Today is a day of turnaround for somebody. And I decree to you that in the very same place that the enemy was saying it's going to end, you are in that same place about to step into, are you ready for this? Into your new beginning and into that place of God's greatest blessings in your life. Can anyone receive that right now? Someone needs to receive that word. In the opening of this chapter, chapter 20, we see there are these three, we would say, nations coming against Jehoshaphat and the people of God. They were the Moab, the children of Ammon with them, and the Ammonites. And here are three enemies. I believe that you could name these three enemies something else that would make them probably apply to us personally. Uh, because we have enemies today. Can you say amen to that? Uh, these enemies that are coming against us, we might call some of them financial trouble, health problems. Uh, for some, it's family problems. It's a tax on our character, tax on the ministry, and here is the worst part for Jehoshaphat, that all of these enemies were coming at the same time against them. Have you ever felt like you were in a war zone, and it seemed like everywhere you turn, you turn to these, there is the enemy. You turn to the west, and I mean, there is another different enemy. You turn to the north, and there seems to be no relief in sight. You turn to the south, and again, it looks like everything is appearing to be hopeless. I know by the Spirit of the Lord that there is somebody, even in this room, you find yourself in that same or a similar situation. And uh, you, you, you are here, you love God, and you're serving God, you're in the house of God, you paid tithes, come on, you have been seeking to give God a sacrifice of praise, you've been doing the best you know how to live for God, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, and yet you are in the fight of your life. And it doesn't seem like anything is letting up. Am I talking to anybody here? You engage one enemy and you think that, hey, maybe uh, you're making some progress. And then all of a sudden you look and the enemy has reinforced and they're coming on even stronger. And then here comes these people. You know, sometimes there are people like this, like they were for Jehoshaphat. There are people who just think it is their job and their ministry to tell you how bad it is. You ever met anyone like that? I, it doesn't um, care what's going on. They're always negative and critical. But then, uh, then there are those who are, you know, will tell you how mean the devil is, how mean the enemy is. Are you with me? And they do everything they can, seemingly, to magnify the devil. 
when we ought to be magnifying the Lord. Come on. Have you ever met people, they go to God telling them how bad things are, whining, crying, how big their problems are, instead of going to their problems and looking them square in the face and saying, listen, I want to tell you how big my God is. My God is a more than enough God, and my God is still able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I ask or think. There is nothing too hard for God to do. The Bible says, after a report like this, this is not a surprise, that Jehoshaphat feared. I don't know if you know this, but faith comes by hearing. But fear comes by hearing. That's why, that's why if you just, if you have too much of an intake of the daily news, just watch it, you, you, you'll, you'll allow fear to come into your life. Come on, if, if you are reading the daily news more than you're reading God's news, you know what? You've probably got some troubling of your heart and your spirit. That's why you have to be careful. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear, worrying about the things that are coming on the earth. And the great, one of the greatest weapons that Satan uses today is fear. Because fear will open the door to sickness. Fear will open the door to disease and depression and oppression and worry and confusion and stress. Fear will steal your joy and your peace and will bring you into bondage mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Job and Job 3 and verse 25 you know what he said? He said, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid is coming to me. What did Job fear? He feared that one day something was going to happen to his children. He feared that one day he would lose his health. He feared one day he'd lose his wealth. And the very thing that he feared happened in his life. But listen. You know, fear is like a child of the devil. 1 John 4, 18 says that fear hath torment. How many of you know that is true? The word is true. It is true. But I'm so glad that there is another word from God in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. It says, but God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. I'm so glad that the Bible says that perfect unadulterated love casteth out all fear. That's why when you get the love of God in your heart, come on, by the Holy Spirit, you let the love of God be shed abroad. I'll tell you what, fear will side in your life. Perfect love casts out all fear. Now, people today, many of them, are paralyzed by fear. They're held in bondage and captivity by fear. Even Christians can find themselves as a prison of fear. Today, fear has many faces. Many today are living with the fear of a bad economy. There are many today, they're living with the fear that their investments are going down. There are those who have a fear of losing their health, losing their jobs, losing their homes. Am I right about it? Then there are those who, you know, have the fear of sickness and disease. 
My Lord, you just let them hear one thing on television about something happening, about something that's spreading, and all of a sudden they are just, you know, like they're afraid it's happening to them. And then all of a sudden you're going to get this little pain in your chest at night. How many of you know that everything is really magnified in the night seasons? I mean, you feel that little pain in your chest and you go, oh, Elizabeth, I'm coming. <laughs> but isn't it true? We have to be careful that we don't allow fear to come into our life. That's why the opposite of fear is faith. But yes, that uh, uh, faith comes by hearing and fear comes by hearing. So that's why we need to hear more of God's word than we hear of, of everybody else's word. Am I right there? So what happened? The first thing Jehoshaphat did when he was attacked by the spirit of fear was he turned to the Lord. That was good. Second Chronicles 20 verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Yes, he feared. But he made the right choice. He turned to God. I just want to say to somebody, I don't know if you've been bothered by fear lately. But when fear comes, you need to go to God. You need sometimes just to say, God, I'm casting all of my cares upon you because, Lord, I know that you care for me. I just want to tell somebody here today, God cares for you. I, I want to say, say it again. God cares for you. And I just want to tell you, he knows everything about you. What you're going through is not hid. And by the way, what you're going through, others have already gone through the same thing at some time or another. Others are, are go, have gone through it. Or others are going through it now. He feared, but he made the right choice. And then he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. I want to say something right here. God gave to the church everything we need to overcome in this life and to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. Our weapons are not weak, but they are mighty. Amen. I said they are powerful. Our weapons are effective. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, it says the weapons of our warfare are not Connell, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But it doesn't matter how powerful your weapons are. If you don't reach down and pick up your weapons, I tell you, they're not going to do you any good. Come on, if you don't appropriate and begin to use your weapons, they're not helping you. The, listen, the devil is not afraid of anybody's weapon that sits, the weapon of the word that sits on coffee tables collecting dust. But I want to tell you what he is afraid of. He's afraid of a child of God who opens the word and begins to read that word and then begins to say, God, that word is for me. And they begin to praise God with the word. They begin to sing the word back to God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you there's something powerful when you release the word back to God. You know what he says? He said, my word that comes to me is not going to return unto me void. But it will accomplish and prosper for that which it has been sent. We lose many battles 
not because the enemy is greater, not because he is smarter or has better weapons. It's simply because we do not take full advantage of what we have been given. My God, we've been given the weapon of the word. That's why when Paul said, put on the whole armor of God, after you put on, having your loins gird, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, whereby you quench every fiery dot of the wicked, you put on the helmet of salvation, and then you take the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's your offensive weapon in warfare. Come on. So, the first thing Jehoshaphat did, he launched the weapons of prayer and fasting. Did you know that fasting multiplies the power of your prayers? It magnifies the effect of your prayer. That's why Jesus said one time, this kind only cometh by prayer and fasting. There is an added dimension of power that a person has when he couples prayer with fasting. Did you know the early church? Now, the Pharisees, they boasted how they fasted. They would go out in public and put on these faces, you know, just so people knew they were fasting. But the early church, we know according to Josephus, an early church historian, that the early church fasted twice a week. Didn't say much about it, but if you look in the book of Acts, there is no wonder they had incredible anointing and power and miracles and signs and wonders were following their lives because they fasted and prayed. That's why we have committed this time uh, to fasting and prayer. We're just ending our 21-day fast today. We're ending our fast. Uh, and, uh, but something I expect will happen. I just want to tell you this. If you will pray and fast, I believe the pastor will preach better. I said if you pray and fast, I'll tell you this praise team uh, will be more anointed. Our musicians will be more anointed. Come on, if we pray and fast. And I, I just believe that in 2012, uh, I, you don't have to wait on the pastor to call a fast. Some of you just need to say, you know, today I'm just going to I'm gonna fast. And, and it wouldn't, you know, I, I, I'm going to just say it, it would be good if one day a week, just one day a week, if we could just fast from sunup to sundown. Do I have anyone feel, feel that in their spirit? Thank God for you five. Is there anyone else? <laughs> no, I, I just tell you, I just believe. And do us if we will fast. Now listen to what, listen to what Isaiah 58, 6 says. It tells us the power of the fast. It says, it will loose the bonds of wickedness. It will undo the heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free. And it will empower you to break every yoke. Jehoshaphat then did something that a lot of us are too proud to do. You know what Jehoshaphat did next? The Bible says he cried out to the Lord. Now, there is something powerful in a cry. I'm not talking about just praying some prayers here now. I said when you need God to act immediately and desperately, you don't have time for no long King James prayer. Almighty omnipotent thou that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just need to say, God, help me. Lord, I need your help. I'll tell you, I've been in places where I've just said, Lord, I need your help. 
God, I'm depending on you. Lord, my dependency is upon thee. And you know what? I have I know that God is faithful and God is, He will always come. The, the cry is just an acknowledgement we need help. The cry is a recognition that, you know, human effort is not enough. It's amazing how people, you know, they'll try to solve all their problems. They'll do everything in the natural trying to fix things, and, and then they can't fix it themselves. Then they go to God in prayer. I want to just encourage somebody, prayer ought to be first choice and not last chance. Come on. That's why in everything by prayer. In everything, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Pray about what? Everything. And give God thanks for all he's already done. And he said, in the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your heart and your minds as you rest in Christ Jesus. Jehoshaphat's cry, it creates an avenue for the power of God. Look at Psalm 7, verse 11 through 13. It says, because they rebelled against the words, his words and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried. And what happened? They cried unto the Lord in their troubles and he saved them. Out of their distresses, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands and sunders. Why? Because they cried out for help. One of the greatest enemies, I believe, to the power of God is pride. Pride will kill you. Listen, never be too proud to cry out to God for help. What seems to be sometimes a weakness is actually the most powerful thing you could do. Like there are some men, you know, for example, they think they'll be too soft if they shed some tears. But I want to tell you right now, the Bible says in Joel chapter 2 that we ought to return to God with all of our hearts. Come on, with all of our hearts, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. I read in my Bible where the prophets of old, they wept. I read where David, he wept until his pillow became damp with tears. Come on, I want to tell you, it's, it's not a sign of weakness to weep. I want to tell you sometimes that, by the way, tears are a language. You may have heard that song years ago, that God understands. And when you don't know how to even put your words together to ask God for help, I'll tell you. He said, I have heard your prayers, and I have seen your tears, and I will heal you, says the Lord. My God. Hallelujah. You ought never be too proud to say, God, I, I need you. And I want to tell you, if, if you ever get to the end of your rope and you don't know where else to turn or you don't know what else to do, you can still cry out for help. I'm just thinking about Peter, you know, when Jesus came to the disciples on the water. And at first they thought it was a ghost, and then Jesus spoke and Peter said, Lord, if it really be you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And upon that one word, Peter stepped down out of the boat. And you know what? He, other than Jesus, I don't know of any other record of anyone else walking on water, but he walked on the water. Now, I'll tell you one time, I was 
as a young guy, I was diving bottles out by the Harbor Club. We used to dive bottles, make money that way. I tell you, I've, I've, ha I've been somewhat of an entrepreneur type person, you know, and we'd, you know, you, you know, do whatever you have to do to make money. Come on, you don't have a job? Go out and find something. You, 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 know, you, don't have, you don't have, no one has given you a job anywhere? Go out and find something to do tomorrow. Ask someone if you could do this for them. And, you know, people, people will do something back for you if you put forth some effort. But I was out diving Cokes, Coke bottles from the bottom, you know, by those yachts out there. And we used to get about, I don't know, about five cents. We used to take them down to Mackey Street where Chili Willie is now. Take them by the crates, man. And we got good spending money for our Saturday afternoons. We used to go down to uh, the restaurant where they had a shakes at East Bay. What was the name of that place? Some, some restaurant. We used, to get, we used to go there for milkshakes. But anyway, one day I was diving, and lo and behold, I looked at Brother Hannah, and there was a barracuda about this. And I want to tell you something right now. If I didn't walk on the water, I jumped out of the water, and I believe I skidded on the water. But I know I got to that dock in a hurry, and I was up there, man, like you wouldn't believe. It's amazing what you can do when you get frightened. I said, you, it's amazing what you can do when you get frightened. I was out of that water. But I, I just want to say that uh, sometimes we need to get rid of pride. And we need to know how to call on God. And, and Peter, he was walking on the water. But what happens? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He began to see the circumstances. There were, the wind was still blowing. And the waves were still coming up. But as long as he walked on the word, he was not walking on water. He was walking on that one word that said come. And he walked on the water till he looked, took his eyes off Jesus. And he began to sink. But as he began to sink, he cried out. He said, Lord, save me. He just began to sink. He, again, smart thing. Don't wait till you're going under for the last time. My God, when you think you are about to begin to sink in any area of your life, cry out to God. Say, God, I need your help. He cried out, and Jesus came to him. I want to tell you, when you cry, God will come to you. He says, call unto me. I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. He came to Peter and took him back to the boat. God is faithful. The Bible says, verse 14 and 15, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel, and he begins to prophesy. My God, he said, thus saith the Lord. I, I just want to tell you right now, one thus saith the Lord spoken into your life can turn everything around for you this day. I said one thus saith the Lord can change everything. I don't care what the banker is saying. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the lawyer says. Listen, it doesn't matter what people are saying uh, or what the economy is saying or what the government is saying. All I want to know is what is the Lord saying? I tell you, there is a word from God. And if you will hear what thus saith the Lord, one word could change everything for you. One word from God will cause you to be unsinkable. One word can cause 
cause you to be unbeatable. One word will make you unshakable. One word from God could turn that famine situation, come on, into plenty. He could turn it around. Your sickness into health, your weakness into strength, your drought into a flood, nothing into too much. My God. I said he could take your nothing and multiply it by his almightiness and make it to be more than enough that you have all your needs, man, and enough to bless somebody else too. Come on. One word from God can set the captives free. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 8, here's this Roman centurion. He comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, I have a servant. He's at home. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And you know what that Roman centurion said? He said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. All I need is a word. Just send the word. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Tell your neighbor, all you need is a word. Just tell somebody, all you need is a word. Verse 20, Jehoshaphat says, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Do I need to say that again? Believe, have faith, trust God, come on, with your life. Trust him during hard times. Just say, Lord, my trust is in you. My confidence is in you. My faith is in you. I'm not leaning unto my own understanding, but in all my ways, I'm acknowledging you. Lord, I need you. I'm trusting in you. He said, you're going to be established. And then if you believe his prophets, he said, you should prosper. I got an email yesterday. A young woman in this email, she said, Pastor, I just want you to know that Last year when Dave Wagner was here, it was a Wednesday night, he began to share about how his wife lost her baby. And, 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 that, that was a, and he began to share and he began to come against miscarriages. And that word was for me. I just want to report to you, Pastor, that I had my baby December the 31st, 2011. Hallelujah. No complications, no miscarriage. I'll tell you, the devil, uh, there are some of you been carrying a promise from God, and the devil would want you to have a miscarriage. The devil will want you to abort that promise. He will try to steal that from you, but in the name of Jesus, I, I say, put your foot down and say, devil, you're not going to have this promise. You're not going to have, I'm holding on to God's word. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to praise him until I see the manifestation of the promise of God. We ought to thank God for prophets. Thank God for men and women who walk close enough to God. They can hear his voice and then speak his divine will. All through the Bible, it was the prophets that brought direction. It was the prophets that gave guidance and direction to the kings and the children of Israel. What did the prophet say? Well, he gave them a ridiculous instruction. He said, go out against them. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. My God, you know, I hear God saying to somebody, be still and just know that I am God. You just be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. I'll fight your battles for you. Be still and know that I'm God. Every natural evidence and impulse was to just run and go in the other direction. Hide somewhere. But the instruction from God was to go ahead and meet them head on. Go out against them. And then 
here's something else ridiculous happened. Here's this army coming down the road, M-16s, ready to wipe out Jehoshaphat and all the people with him. And then Jehoshaphat said, oh, put the singers out in front of the army. And they step out in front of the army. And you know what happens? Uh, when they began to sing and to praise God, something happened. God set ambushments. Everything that that enemy was planning against Jehoshaphat and the people of God, God turned it around to come on. And what happened? They turned on each other. The praises going up to God, the weapon of praise confused the enemy, and they began to kill each other. Can I tell you this today? Praise confuses the devil. Come on, if you want to drive the devil crazy, learn how to give God some praise. I said, if you want to drive the devil nuts, give God praise. Come on, when you wake up in the morning, you get up declaring something of praise out of your mouth, saying, Lord, I give you thanks, I give you praise. I declare this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, I praise you because of who you are. I praise you because of whose I am. I belong to you, and I've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. And as you praise God, you know what the enemy does? The enemy has to back up. I said your praise will back up the enemy. Your praise will confuse the devil. Your praise will break up the enemy's lines of communications. When the children of God begin to praise God, it brought total confusion into the ranks of the enemies in their rank and file. And guess what? Their strategy and their order was completely destroyed, and they started killing each other. Some of you have not yet understood the power of praise. Some people, listen to me now, not any in this service, but, you know, there are some people who rather pout than praise. They rather, they rather murmur and complain than praise. But I want to tell you that praise is a weapon that when you utilize this weapon, the, listen, the Bible says in Psalms 8, have you not read out of the mouths of babes and sucklings? Jesus quoted that, and he says that thou hast perfected praise. And Psalms 8, it says that thou mayest still the enemy. The word still means to paralyze the enemy. You want to paralyze the enemy against your life, you start praising and giving God thanks. Some of you have never understood it, but as you start to use this weapon, God will use praise. Come on. It will go to the foundation of some of your problems, and praise will open doors, and praise will break yokes, and praise will confuse the enemy. Why is praise such a powerful weapon? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible tells me that God inhabits the praise of his people. Oh, my God. I'm just thinking of Paul and Silas. They were just beaten. And, you know, all they were doing is good. They just cast the demon out of a girl. And her bosses, who were making money off her fortune telling, got upset and just had the people turn on Paul and Silas. They beat him and threw him in prison. And they, they could have had a pity party. They could have been feeling sorry for themselves. But you know what they did? At midnight, at midnight, they began to sing praises to Almighty God. Uh, so I, I said God inhabits the praises of his people, right? Someone said as those two missionaries started singing praise to God, that God just got with it, and he started tapping his foot. That's my voice. And as he tapped his foot, it shook the earth. 
The prison doors opened. All the prisoners were like free. You know, the Philippian jailer, he got up and when he saw that, he was about to kill himself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. And this prison officer said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, you and your house. My God, I, I, someone, at least one person needs that promise. I'm saying believe. Come on, God wants to turn things around in your home. He wants to turn things around. In your, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, delivered, set free, and you and your house. I tell you, some of your family members, they're just waiting on you to make a move. I tell you, they're just wanting to follow somebody. And if you'll stand up and take a stand saying, I've I, I made a decision. I've made up my mind to put God first in my life. You know what? Other people are going to follow you. Someone just watching you. People are watching you just getting ready. Now watch this. Verse 25 says, when they looked, they saw that the enemies, they saw them all dead on the ground. None of them escaped. Not one. Can I tell you this? God knows how to take care of your enemies. I said, God knows how to take, when you make, listen, when you make God's enemies your enemies, he will make his victories your victory. That's why, you see, that's why we need to learn how to give God thanks and praise. And uh, by the way, right there, right there, when you see the enemy coming against you, just say, Lord, I'm standing still. And I'm just going to give you thanks. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. I don't know who the enemies are that has come against you. But by the way, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's just a spirit in that person trying to cause you to lose, you know, lose your joy and lose your peace. That's why you've got to just release them and say, Lord, I forgive them. Like Jesus on the cross. They, the people just crucified him. And he said, Lord, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let me just say this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Can I say it another way? God will get the last word if you will keep your mouth shut. Come on. See, you don't have to go around telling anybody else. Come on, trying to get some allies on your side, you know, so you could pass on an offense to somebody else. And by the way, you know, a secondary f a offense is always worse than the first. You know, sometimes you get offended, but you start passing that on, what someone did, and then you take up, the other person takes up an offense. Have you ever noticed it's like little children? Little children can have a little fight out in the yard, and after their fight is over, 10 minutes later, they're friends again. But you know what? A little fight with children sometimes has caused parents to have like a feud for years. One little thing, and the children done long forgave. So you have to see, and that it's just like that. So we have to know how to let things go. I said, let things go. It's not worth holding on to. Whatever they said, whatever they did to you, come on, just let it go. Somebody ought to just say, Lord, I thank you right now because you're taking care of my enemies. Hallelujah. You see, God doesn't just want to get the enemy off your back. But here's the good news I want to leave with you today. God wants to bless you and prosper you. In fact, the thing that is, you know, sometimes you're more concerned about, it's a small thing for God to handle. He not only destroyed their enemies, but you know what he did for the people of God? He brought them into a place of overflow. 
because they, f they found among their enemies abundance, both riches and precious jewels. Uh, come on, it was more than they could carry off. Come on. They couldn't carry it off in a day. They had to come back the next day to take the rest. And then the second day, it wasn't enough time. They had to go back the third day. It took them three days to collect the spoils. They all came back millionaires singing, the battle is the Lord's. I want to stop there and tell you that God is getting ready to bless some of you in some unusual ways. I want to tell someone here today, I don't know who it is, get ready for a ridiculous blessing. I said get ready for a ridiculous blessing. And God wants to bless you. And here is the crazy thing. God will cause your enemies to be the source of your blessings. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how he's going to do it. But I just know, just as he did for Jehoshaphat, their blessings and overflow came from the enemies that were trying to do them wrong. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but some of your blessings are going to come from your enemies. God's going to use your enemies to bless you. I, I mean, some of the mean, spiteful, vengeful people who are trying to destroy you are going to be the ones who are going to turn around and bless you. From the same place that the enemy was launching his attacks against you, Right from that place, blessings is going to come to you. I, I speak that today to somebody. Come on, the very same place where the enemy was launching attack. Out of that same place, blessings are going to come into your life. There were three days in gathering of the spoil, and each day they gathered the jewels, but there was too much to carry. It was too much of a blessing in the place where the enemy had planned to destroy them, and it all happened. You know why it happened? Because they got a word from God. I said, all they got is a word from God. I wish somebody today would just begin to lift your hands. Come on, and just thank him for that word right now. Come on, just bless him. Come on, come on, just while you're praising him right now, your enemies have just gone into mass confusion. Come on, I, I can't hear your praise. Let me hear your praise. While you're praising him, the enemies are turning on each other. Come on, give me a musician. While you're praising God, come on, God is fighting for you. While you're praising God, you are positioning yourself for prosperity. My God, there is a breakthrough in your praise. I wish someone would praise him. I said I wish somebody would praise him. You may not even feel like it, but if you want a breakthrough today, say, Lord, I praise you. Come on. I give you praise. I give you the sacrifice of praise. The fruit of my lips giving thanks. Hallelujah. listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you.